Let's pray before we read the Bible. Father God, thank you so much for your word that gives us life. Please help us as we read it and help us to understand what you're saying to us this morning for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 7, starting at verse 10. To the married I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest I say this, I, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or the sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Nevertheless, Each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, Each person, as responsible to God, should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Beth, thank you. Uh, Let's pray. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. Lord, I pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, this morning, just to see uh, that call that is made to the Corinthians, sanctified and our call to be holy. Lord, that the same call is made of us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us in all our different situations. And so many of them here are hard and difficult. They're not what we would have picked. Uh, But Lord, I pray that you would help us to see uh, from these examples how to live for you um, in these situations. Speak to us, I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know what situation that you have where you might be thinking, well, if only. If only that would change. If only uh, I wasn't like that. If only my history didn't include that. Uh, In particular, um, uh, those things that you want to change, 
re you really want to change them, don't they? When not only you don't really enjoy them and you haven't enjoyed them, but also it might make me more acceptable in Christian circles. It might make me more of a kind of person who fits in in Emmanuel. I really, I really want to change that. Every time I turn up at church, I feel it. Uh, and, you know, if you are middle class and you've got money and you've got education, you've got skills and you've got freedom and you've got time, then often we just change our circumstances, don't we? We just change them to make them easier or to fit in. But in the middle of this passage, which has got some hard things for us to hear, there's a danger that we miss the principle which is in the middle of this passage here in verse 17, which is actually... Uh, it's illustrated with four situations around it, and it calls on us, actually, wherever we're at, if you look at it, to live as a believer in whatever the Lord's, in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to you. You see, God's placed you where you're at, and our call is to live as a believer in that situation, not to manufacture a sort of pseudo-perfect Christian life that looks middle class and wears chinos, but actually to be where we are and to live as a believer. The context of this passage is wonderfully set out for us by Martin. Last week, didn't he do a great job? Praise God for the Holy Spirit working through him. The context is chapter 7, verse 1. Now for the matters you wrote about to me, says Paul to the Corinthians, they had written, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. They were saying basically, actually, no sex. Let's not have sex. Let's stop having sex because actually it will make us, uh, it's unholy, it's not good. So they want to change that and become more holy. I don't know, maybe it's led by some super spiritual uh, women, seeing as we start our passage uh, speaking to the married women, because actually the men had been sleeping with prostitutes uh, back in uh, verse 16 of chapter 6. I don't know. But there's this idea that actually if I want to be super spiritual in this spiritual community, we should stop having sex. And Paul says, no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for community, so that sex doesn't happen without control and damage community. It's a good thing for you as a married couple. And then we get a similar kind of thinking is going on in verse 10 with the married. And then a similar kind of thinking is going on with those who are married to non-Christians. And then a similar with those who are circumcised or uncircumcised. And a similar way of thinking to those who are slaves, how they, what their work situation and life situation is. They're all thinking, maybe I should change this stuff in order to be more holy and to fit in with this Christian community? And the answer is, actually, just know what you need to do is in the circumstances and situations you're in, live as a believer, and actually, do you see the commands of God come up several times, don't they? So we get it in verse, um, uh, in verse 10, uh, and then that's panned out for us in the rest, and then we get it in verse 19 as well. That we're thinking, actually, no, no, just live as a believer and obey what God says is good in that setting. Okay? So here are our examples. First of all, there are those in verse 10 and 11 who are thinking that actually we shouldn't be married. We should, though we're married, we should get out of our marriages because that'll make us uh, more holy. It'll make us better. It'll make us fit in more. And actually what Paul does is he recites Jesus' teaching on marriage. Now to, the uh, sorry, now to the married, I give this command, not I but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. And similarly at the end, a husband must not divorce his wife. Separate and divorce are used interchangeably here. 
But actually, uh, uh, divorce is not a good thing. And so we go to Luke, uh, Luke uh, 16, verse 18. Jesus says, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. So he's repeating what Jesus teaches on marriage, which is hard for us to hear in a situation where many in this room will have experienced this, either as kids, or maybe you are divorced, maybe you think you might get divorced, in a nation where almost 50%, 40% of marriages end in divorce. It's hard for us to hear this, isn't it? Uh, that God actually, he's not, he's not up for divorce and remarriage. And look, I'm afraid the space doesn't, the time doesn't really permit us to go and dig into, into marriage and divorce here. But can I say, if that is you, and this, and this is hard to hear, don't hear it like this is the unforgivable sin, because it's not. And don't hear it that this excludes you from God's people, because the very point of this passage is that we would remain in our situation and that we would live as a believer there. But if that is something that is painful for you and you want to think through more about that, then please come and see me so that we can talk that through. And actually, if there's enough, we'll do a whole session uh, on divorce and remarriage. But what we've got here is people who are thinking, I'm married. My marriage is not a right circumstance. I, actually, I ought to get rid of that so that I can be more spiritual and fit in. And Paul's saying, no, don't. You've got to obey the commands of God, which is to stay married, work at your marriage, listen to each other. Then the next illustration that we've got is we move on in verse 12 to um, at those who are married to someone who doesn't believe. To the rest I say this, I, not the Lord, if any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, here's, this is the crucial bit, your children would be unclean, as it is they are holy. The thought that's going on here is, maybe uh, I just uh, unwisely, or, or just in the, in the moment, uh, I've got married to someone who's not a Christian, and that means we're looking at two different windows in terms of our worldview. It's really difficult. But the key thing that's in the back of their mind, or maybe it is, you know, you were married and then you've become a Christian after you've married, but your spouse hasn't. How many of us know that? That can be really difficult. But the worry here is, is that actually somehow the children should be treated as not holy. That they should be treated as not part of God's people. And so maybe I ought to change my circumstance and leave my, my unbelieving spouse uh, and and come out of that marriage so that my kids would be holy and so would I. We would fit in better in this religious community. Do you see that? So that's what it means. In verse 14, the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. So that cannot mean that actually just by being married to someone who's a Christian, you are saved. Because we are saved by Christ alone. Only he can do that work. That's the only way that that works. And if you look on in verse, uh, in verse uh, 16, it's uncertain whether or not the spouse has been saved there. So this language of sanctifying the wife or the husband is the language of ritual. So when you have these sort of bowls and things in the temple of worship, they're sanctified, which means they're put aside for the worship of the Lord. And the problem is, is when something unclean touches them, then they become unsanctified. And so they can't be part of that whole thing. Do you see that? 
And so the idea here is the kids, what happens with the kids? Are they sanctified in terms to be treated part of God's people or not? And this says they are. This is one of the reasons why I'm happy to baptise little children. We can talk about that more if you like afterwards as well. But do you see the circumstance that you're in, there's a worry that actually my setup here might not be good enough or I might need to change it in order to be part of God's people. And the answer here is actually no, just remain where you are and live as a believer. Then the next one, the next example is, is, not, is moving away from marital status uh, where, uh, where, and now we're moving into a kind of religious ethnic when it comes to circumcision in verses 17 onwards. And say, hey, you've got some people who've been circumcised and some who've not. For those unfamiliar with this rather painful tradition, if you're circumcised and you've had a bit of your foreskin lopped off, it means you're part of God's people. But if you haven't, it means you're part of the Jews, right? But if you haven't, you're a Gentile. And so some people are thinking, well, I'm, you know, I've come in from the outside. I don't have this marker of this super spiritual marker. So should I have that done? Should I do that? I think I should to fit in here. And, and others who are circumcised are thinking, well, that's the old way the Jews did, and I, so I shouldn't have that anymore. And so maybe I should get, you know, it's slightly ridiculous, isn't it? Um, he says, maybe I should uh, be, uh, wait, uh, in verse 18, he should not become uncircumcised. I genuinely don't know how that would happen. <laughs> but do you see the point? The worry is, is that my, my social, ethnic, and my religious markers that I've got aren't right, and so I need to change them in order to fit in. Yeah? Do you see that? But he's saying, no, 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 no. What does he say in verse, um, verse 19? Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Just relax, it's okay. And that's the working out of the principle in verse 17. Each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. Do you see that? So, you know, whether it's your marital status or who you're married to, whether you're single or whether you're a single mum or whether you're, um, you're married to someone who's not a believer or whether you've got tattoos or, or whether you've got, uh, um, I don't know, some religious Buddha or something on it, you know, don't, don't panic. Remain. Look, the key thing is keeping God's commands is what counts, and each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. And the last one is the, the issue of slavery. So again, this passage isn't about whether or not slavery is right or wrong. This passage is about people who felt like they were owned and defined by their work. They're owned by other people. And they, and they feel that this work situation that they have, it conflicts with being part of God's people. Do you see that? When you were a slave, uh, when, if, so were you a slave when you were called, don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, you know, do do that. And he repeats again, you know, don't, be, don't become a slave. But actually, what you've got to remember, verse 22, is the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. So don't let the fact that you are owned by someone else and by your work change the fact that actually you're free in Christ in every way. Don't let your circumstances define who you are. But remain in that place 
What does it say? Uh, verse 24, brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Actually, stay there. No worries, Paul. Good job. Thanks. It was time for a break anyway, wasn't it? Uh, so, yeah, look, each, each person should uh, remain in the situation. Stay where you are, where you feel like your work owns you, where you feel it defines you. Stay there and remember it doesn't own you. It doesn't define you. Jesus does. But stay there and live as a believer in that situation that God has assigned to you. Don't feel that just because you've got that specific job or that situation that you don't fit in here and that you don't fit in in God's kingdom and that you need to change it. See, that's the answer we're getting all the way through, isn't it? Did you see that? Oh, look, yes, so look, here. The principle here is um, at the heart of the problem is thinking that your circumstances kind of define you. Isn't it? That's what we get with the, the slave. Don't think like you're a slave. You're free in Christ. You think that your, your experience and your marital status is the thing that somehow determines whether you're part of God's people or not. But it's not. It's Jesus. He determines whether you're part of God's people or not and whether you fit in. You, does anyone ever have that feeling Whereas there's something in your life where you think if only? Uh, and the reason you think if only is because when you're in this room, you feel like a second-class Christian. Has anyone ever had that? I've had that. It's not because you guys don't love me. It's because actually I'm not, I don't think quite in the right way about being part of God's people, which is I need to remain in the situation I'm in. Honestly, I tell you, whenever I go to diversity training, I am the elephant in the room. You know, I am tall, I'm white, I am male, I'm, you know, posh, I'm rich. And, every, and honestly, when I'm there, I pucker up. And I feel it most of the time. I'm sure you have similar situations. You think, I want to change that in order to fit in. But Jesus says, don't change it. Because there are, you know, lots of white male posh people who need to hear the gospel. And if I live according to the gospel before them, they might just get that. And isn't it nice that this church is filled with people who are married, married to unbelievers, uh, there's circumcised and uncircumcised there's Jew and there's Gentile and there's slaves and people who are probably slave owners that's how mixed this church family is that's brilliant that's what we're looking for so listen if you're single or you're a single parent or your marital status that you've been divorced in the past or you've been remarried whatever it is and you read this and you just think oh I need to change that so I fit in here God says no Live in that situation as a believer and obey the commands of God. That's not the thing that's going to make you super spiritual or fit in here by changing that. Jesus does that. You know, if, you're, if, you're, if you're someone who comes from a much more charismatic background and you, know, you like to put your hands in the air when we sing or you're someone who's got uh, you know, tattoos of a Buddha or something and you think, oh, I should really not do that here. No, remain in that situation with those markers of your previous ethnic or, you know, and it might be different skin colour or you, um, uh, I don't know what other kind of ethnic boundaries do we have. Like we've got Ukrainians and we've got Russians, we've got all sorts. You think, well, I need to fit in and be more British. No, remain where you are. 
and be faithful to the Lord. Maybe it's your type of job or that you have no job and you think, you know what, to be a Christian in this community, I have to be an accountant. Well, that's it, I'm definitely not being a Christian. It would be worth it. It would be worth it. If it was true, it would still be worth it. Ian, sorry. But actually, you don't have to be. You can be unemployed. You can be owned by your workplace. They can say to you in your advertising agency, we own you and you will work all the hours. And you can think, do you know what, you don't. Jesus owns me. I'm going to stick with it, and I'm going to live like a believer here because these people are going to taste of Jesus. You don't have to be a certain job to be here, even though it might feel like it, because lots of other people do that. Remain in the situation you're in and serve the Lord there. Live as a believer in whatever situation that God has assigned you. Um, It's super, isn't it, that we started with This letter starts with, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. That means that you are all made perfect already. If you trust in Jesus today, you could not improve on your perfection in God's eyes. You could not make yourself belong here more. Because it's Jesus who makes you belong and you can't make him any better, can you? Do you see that? And that's repeated for us again just the chapter before Uh, No, sorry, uh, a bit later in that chapter, in chapter 1, verse 30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Jesus is your righteousness. He is your holiness. Not your marital status, not your job, not your social, religious, ethnic setting. That's what we need to remember if we want to do what it says here. To live as a believer keeping God's commands. Did you notice how that came up? There's lots of remains, weren't there? And there's lots of, live as a believer, uh, in verse 14. Oh, I've lost the page now. Here we go. Live as a believer. Uh, There is, live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to you, just as God has called you. And then down in verse 19, look, it's keeping God's commands that is what counts. So, um, how does that work out? Well, in this passage, it directs us, doesn't it, that when we get, if we're married, we remember that marriage is, it is a good thing, even if our marriage is struggling. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. And what it means to obey his commands in that is don't get divorced. It, you know, that's really hard to hear, but you need to work at your marriage. Um, don't take it lightly if you're going to enter into marriage. It's going to be hard. Uh, that's what it means to live as a believer in that setting. Uh, don't, but, and here we've got don't get remarried. And so to live as a believer in that situation is, if you have got remarried, it's okay, remain in that. Remain in it and live as a believer there. Don't, you've got to live there as a believer who believes that that is not the unforgivable sin, that that does not exclude you from God's kingdom. That's very different, isn't it, from um, the activity prescribed in chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Or marry, uh, maybe you're married to uh, someone who doesn't quite believe yet. They're not quite with it. It's okay. Remain there. You, know, you need to be prepared as a believer uh, that in obedience to God's commands, that if they want to leave, you should let them go. And you know, if you're young here today and you're thinking about who you get married to, you should be aware that that's a real possibility. If you marry with two different worldviews, it's very hard to live when you're both looking out separate windows. And very difficult specifically to raise children. That's what's raised here. You want to have that in mind and say, live in that situation as a believer, trusting in God, that he can do amazing things. 
He can open blind eyes if we would live in that situation and be winsome and make hard calls because there's going to be a conflict, isn't there, where one of you wants to do stuff with your money or to do stuff with your kids or to think about your children as, you know, um, or, you know, you want to name your children when they're in your, in your womb because they're alive and the other person might be comfortable with that. It's going to be difficult. Or maybe it's your prior ethnic uh, uh, or religious signs on your body, like your tattoos. Please don't get rid of all your tattoos once you become a Christian. Keep them. You know? Or, or maybe, you know, I had this chat with a trans person who asked me, what does it mean for me to become a Christian? I said, I don't know. I do know that everyone who becomes a Christian is change. But what I do know is if you do become a Christian as a trans person who's halfway through the operations, is that God calls you to remain in this situation, as in with these people and this group, and live out being a believer before them. And it's got a great purpose for you there. That might be your social and ethnic uh, kind of uh, boundaries. Or maybe at work, you know, don't believe that work owns you. Uh, don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed about other people's work. They are remaining in the situation that God has given them. We have this subtle thing, don't we, in the UK where there's a hierarchy of different jobs and we look down on some and we looked up to others. Not cool. With the kingdom, it's all the same, isn't it? Your work doesn't define you, Jesus does. And so we're not embarrassed about that and nor do we cause embarrassment about it. We love to welcome it all. Don't be owned by work, but remain in your work uh, as much as you can and live as a believer before your, um, your workplace. You know, the command there in the workplace, isn't it? If you're going to obey God's commands in your workplace, work as though you work for the Lord and not for yourself or for your boss or for your family or for your comfort. That'll change everything. Look, here's some general applications to close with for all of us. Look, the circumstances of others here just should not determine, doesn't, they, it doesn't determine our spirituality and how good we are as a Christian, whether we're first-tier Christian or second-tier Christian. Instead, we want to encourage each other in whatever circumstances we are in to say, yeah, that's great. Look at you living as a Christian in that place, doing that job. That's marvellous. And obviously, there are times when safety is going to come into play. So, you know, if a marriage is violent, then actually you do need to come out of that and have time apart. Obviously, the safety is going to come into play when it's religious stuff and when it's, um, sorry, when it's work as well. You know, if it's not good for you to be in that working environment, working in a pub because you struggle with alcohol, you should come out of it. That's being obedient to God's commands, isn't it? But the circumstances of others do not determine their spirituality or ours, but we encourage one another to remain and to live for Jesus. If you're young here today, I want you to rest in Jesus' perfection. Live as a believer. Okay, listen, you are under such great pressure to manufacture the right circumstances in your life. I listened to a whole half hour of Baroness Benjamin at a prize giving up the road, telling these little kids, your life needs to look like this. And it was, you know, you've got to be good, you've got to be kind, you've got to be courageous, you've got to do all these things. And then on top of that, you've got all your virtue signalling. You've got to be signed up to this, you've got to be supporting that, you've got to be doing that. And if you're not doing that, you're excluded. Jesus does not work like that. He says, wherever you are, live for me and stay there. Don't, be, don't feel you need to manufacture the perfect life. Like you must, in order to be a Christian, you've got to grow up and be married and have 2.4 kids 
and you've got to wear chinos. And I keep coming back to chinos. I need to change that. You've got to wear a hoodie. You've got to wear a hoodie. And you've... Don't think that. You are your own person. The great thing about Christianity is that produces a culture which is so diverse and filled with wonderful people. So don't feel you need to manufacture your perfect life. Rely on the perfection of Jesus and that you can get it wrong. You don't need to signal all your virtues perfectly. You don't need to be perfect all the time. You can miss the target. If you're someone here today who's not a Christian, listen, I want to say to you, being a Christian isn't about creating the perfect-looking, white, Western, middle-class life. Don't do that. If you do that, you are missing. It's about embracing your circumstances and living with Jesus, living with a person, as his people, loved by him. Sometimes it's hard, but always wonderful and worth it. And no amount of you getting it wrong or being the wrong type of person in the wrong type of clothes, in the wrong type of whatever it is, no amount of that can stop you being loved by Jesus and belonging here. That's terrific, isn't it? Here's the vision. This is what remaining in your circumstances looks like and living for the Lord. It looks like Jesus. Jesus, the most powerful and awesome son of God who made the whole universe. And yet he came and lived as a carpenter for 33 years making tables. How annoying would that be? You want me to make another table? I'm just holding the universe in place? But he remained in that situation, honouring his parents, doing the quiet work, but wonderful work of honouring God. He chose to obey. He didn't have a special home. He had nowhere to lay his head, wandering around in his ministry with his disciples. He remained there, choosing to obey his father's plan. He was a religious and ethnic misfit. He didn't belong anywhere, but yet he knew so keenly, didn't he, that he belonged to the kingdom of heaven. And he stayed in that setting of not belonging, choosing to obey. He was a servant of God, the slave of God the Father, even to death, choosing to remain in that situation and obey his Father that we might be forgiven and be his forever. He's our vision of what it means to, to live as a believer and to, uh, to get on with those, that quiet and wonderful work of keeping God's commands. Do you see that? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it freeing that we don't have to kind of make manufacture a perfect Christian life but we can rest in the fact that we've been made perfect and all that we do is get on with trying to live as a believer and obeying God's commands where we are isn't that great how wonderful let's pray Lord God we thank you so much that your grace to us is so undeserved and so wonderful and Lord that you call us to do wonderful things for you just where we are and with all the messy and difficult circumstances we've got. Lord, sometimes we long that you would take them from us. But Lord, help us to trust in you. And Lord, to rest in your love and in your care in those circumstances. And to live as a believer. Someone who knows you as the most lovely and awesome person. Someone who knows that our identity is all yours. Someone who knows that our future is all yours. That you might be glorified and that we might live wonderfully fulfilled and fruitful lives even in those tricky circumstances that we find ourselves in amen there's a question for you to think afterwards which is this in the circumstances that you want to change the things about you or about your life where you think if only go to those places and think how can i better live as a believer
What can I do in those places at keeping God's commands to worship him? That's what we're going to think about a bit later. But now we are going to stand and sing. Have I got that right? No, we're not. We're not going to stand and sing. I'm so sorry. Why don't we just take a moment just to sit and pray before Sarah Williams comes and prays for us. So just have a moment, just reflect on what we said, maybe reread over the passage. If there's stuff that's really hard to hear, have a pray to God about that. Uh, and then Sarah Williams is going to come and lead us in prayers.